Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. As I was preparing to call you, kind of was, you know, referencing the Holy Spirit, like, mm, how do I start the conversation off? And he gave me this question that I'm going to pose to you, and we're just going to, in real time, dissect it and see where he goes. Fair? You ready? Okay. What are you attracted to? Oh, don't get offended. No, it, what you mean attracted? Like physically, like in someone else? Like, I mean, I like him long, thick, red bone, open another. <laughs> no, little Wayne. Okay, sit down. Not that kind of grandbaby. But what are you attracted to in life? Let's just say, okay, in a spouse and a significant other do you have the thing in your mind that you're like mm, that's attractive right okay um what kind of foods attract you like if you were super duper hungry and somebody was like whatever you want like what do you what you want to get like it's the first thing oh chipotle like <laughs> what's the thing you just blurt out to that you like every single time I want something it depends on my level of hunger because if I'm hungry hungry then I'm going to yeah no, this way but if I just want a little something to snack on real quick I want this like you have your different categories of it depends on and then I'm I'm attracted to that what kind of cars are you attracted to what kind of jobs are you attracted to like, have you ever gone past an establishment, looked around, and was like, absolutely not. I could not see myself walking in here every day. Did you see the outside? Bro, I thought this was an abandoned building. Like, does the aesthetics, the inner decor, is that part of your decision-making when you go to the interview? Do you look around like, yeah, no. Like, do you have to feel like you walked into, like, the Ritz? So you like, mm. I'll have what I'm having. <laughs> yes, hi, I'm here for, and you knew I was going to be here, so y'all prepared? Oh, yeah, very much, very much a part of this establishment. What kind of friends are you attracted to? Or some platonic, okay? Don't be that kind of grandbaby. Like, do you find yourself consistently like, what's your birthday? Every time I get close to somebody, their birthday's in October. <laughs> like, what, what is it giving that I just continue to want to be giving it? Like, what is happening here? Is it a certain kind of flair? Is there a certain kind of personality? Is, there a, is this something that makes you feel like this is homely? I'm asking you all of these questions because I want to get to the root of why we are attracted to that. Is it something that we are cutting and pasting and transferring over from our childhood? Like, was there this one particular thing that you were exposed to that it was like, oh, so this is what I want? And I'll give you something that just came in the top of my head that I didn't really give any thought to, but I think it may have some significance. All the men in my family are tall. My grandfather was 6'4". I don't have an uncle under 62 uh and so i have all of my life been around extremely tall men which then transferred over to when i started dating i wanted a tall man hence why i am now married 
to a tall man, (laughs) I feel like sometimes you are exposed to your attraction um, almost subliminally. And then later on, we never really give thought to why. Why is it that when it gets cold outside, we tend to start eating like this? Why is it that when we reference someone or something and say, man, it reminds me of when I was younger, it reminds me of home. So we are literally going back to a place that we didn't really give any real significance to that drives our decision making for current and future situations. So with that, I do feel like it serves a purpose and it will behoove us to really identify what are you attracted to. So there were some things that happened in my childhood that had a lot of uh, unexpectedness happening. Like there were things that it was like, oh, oh, we're moving. Oh, oh, this is happening. Oh, okay. And so I had a layer of unexpected becoming the rhythm to the songs of of my childhood. And so what happened was, as I got older, I I craved structure because my mother was very structured. I'm militant almost. You clean this time Saturday morning, (laughs) every single Saturday. We don't skip a Saturday. Sometimes I'm like, bro, I just wish her alarm clock wouldn't go off because, like, who want to clean? Right. Come on, I go to school Monday through Friday. I want we got one day to sleep in because Sunday we're gonna be right back at it with the vans at, at, at the church. Like, can we? I, I never understood that. Every time I bring that up, it irritates me because it, it didn't make any sense to that to me. To, I, okay, I'm getting flustered. Let's just can we continue? Okay, because I don't want to do it. So I had a very militant, structured, but very militant, which I say militant because it was uncomfortable for me, but I craved structure but had a lifestyle that aided to unexpected events occurring and so as I navigated through my own adulthood what I started to embrace and didn't even realize was that uh I became a little bit of a worry ward What's going to happen? And so instead of having that mentality kind of like overwhelm me, I became someone who tried to control every aspect of what happened. Yeah, I didn't want the unexpected. So I'm going to expect, I'm going to prepare for the unexpected because I did not want to be overtaken by. But it was a constant, <laughs> constant, um, it's just overwhelming feeling of what's going to happen and then what and then and so I just got to the bottom line of I'm going to figure it out while that may be uh wisdom for that particular immature season of my life God had to show me immediately that I couldn't continue to operate that way because when you take control of your life then you have to sustain your life and you have to fight everything that comes along with the decisions that you made for your life. I learned very quickly that I want to eliminate the you and I want to put G-O-D in that seat. Y-O-U had to expire. 
I understand now why the Bible says, uh, if you try to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. Yeah, so pick up your cross and follow me. Like, I, I get it now. And so where I'm going with this whole thing is, what are you attracted to? Why are you attracted to that thing? And can we do something that is going to blow all of our minds in that we learn how to be attracted to peace? I finally got to a place of wisdom that I realized, you know what? There's always going to be something to worry about. Like if you are someone that is constantly trying to fix something, constantly trying to control variables, constantly trying to figure out the next step, constantly trying to, bro, when I say the exhaustion, it is almost as if you signed up to play life whack-a-mole. There will always be a mole that you have to whack. There will always be something to think of. And everything that you have been uh, perverted to think, oh, if I had that, then I will no longer have. Oh, if I had more money, then, you know, really? Because I can almost ca count on my hand how many millionaires uh, off themselves. I, I can almost account for, I, we probably don't know that kind of pressure, but that's a bigger pressure. It's a bigger pressure to feel like, yo, I had this one box office movie go, and how am I going to match my last success? I had this last platinum album, how am I going to match that success? I, I got a house and all these estates, and so there's a certain income level that I have to consistently go ahead and incur. And you know what? The music business and, and entertainment business is not something that's consistent. You're not getting a check every two weeks. You're not getting a check um, consistently that you know the income is coming in. Only if you have royalties and other things that you have invested in. But on a month-to-month -month basis, you really truly have to figure it out. Because um, while those consistent bills are coming in, your income is inconsistent. See, we don't know that kind of jazz. We don't know when um, yeah, it's looking like million-dollar estate issues. When it's looking like, bro, you you getting ready to go up and be uh, Wesley Snipes with it because you haven't paid your taxes. See, we don't understand that we think that oh if I just have more money then I will go ahead and I won't have these issues but there's always going to be something to worry about in the financial realm I remember hearing Joyce Meyer say she was doing her budget at one point when they were like really really early in ministry and they were always $41 short every month and she used to fret about it. And she used to get angry at her husband, Dave, because she's like, bro, why are you not just as upset? And he was like, what am I going to do? Like, we might as well play with the kids and go ahead and cast out care. God will provide. She said, currently, with the multi-million dollar ministry, it was almost as if, and I'm going to paraphrase in my own interpretation, that that $41 issue, bro, she will swap any day to have that. Because the multi-million dollar ministry, yeah, like, can you imagine going over the books then? Yeah, being in the red and the multi-million dollar anything, it, it, that's not what you want. I mean, bro, worst case scenario, you can sell some stuff, get $41 real quick. You can go to somebody's DoorDash, Uber real quick. You understand? You can sell one of your shoes, two of your shoes in a per. You understand? What you going to do to... um? To, to cover a deficit with the zero zeros and the commas. You see what I'm saying? There will always be something to be worried about. 
But let's flip it. Let's flip it where we start to go ahead and say, you know what? I understand that if God led me there, then God has to sustain me there. And until God moves me from there, I'm just going to be comfortable there. I don't think we ever really truly unveiled what comfort means. Like personally, what does comfort mean to you? Does it mean no issues at all? Every every dot is dotted. Every dots are connecting. Every T is crossed. Every like everything is like going as planned, as expected, as like is it a worry-free, trouble-free, uh hiccup-free life? Would you be mind blown if I told you that the way that you I guess confirm comfort comfort in your mind is probably the reason why you're having a difficult life. Because if you identified comfort as trouble-free, then you set yourself up for failure. Allow me. Do you remember in the Bible where Jesus was at the bottom of the boat with the pillow cushion and probably a throw blanket, but that's between me and the Lord. And he was in the midst of a storm. And the disciples looked and was like, bruh, do you not care that we finna drown, sir? And he was like, what? Hold on. Uh, um, Peace be still, bruh. And the winds and the waves was like, ooh. And they did the mannequin challenge. Um, Then the disciples was like, who is this man that even the winds and the waves are willing to listen to him. No, the bigger question is, how was it that even in the midst of chaos, this bro was able to sleep? How was that? How was it that in the midst of discomfort, you were able to find comfort? How? Dare I go on the ledge and say that once we really truly re-identify comfort in our minds, that we can also look like Jesus in the middle of a storm? I'm going to go ahead and unveil some of my business. You ready? And you know how I feel about not being a gossiping grandbaby because if I found my business in the streets, I know that it was you. Okay, I just want to make sure we, we have that disclaimer. I have identified comfort as as long as I know God is with me, I'm okay. Big difference than what I had a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, I felt like if I'm following God wholeheartedly, then nothing, I shouldn't feel the inclement weather around me. I literally wanted to feel untouchable because I'm following God. So there should be a shield around me, on me, E or the above, um, trouble-free, if you will, uh, because I follow Jesus is my Savior. I follow the Lord. I had to adopt a different mindset, put a little addendum there real quick. And because I now understand that clarity ushers peace, And that peace follows purpose, and that purpose derives from the Lord. As long as I know that that is God who placed me there, that is God who led me there, that God arranged for this to happen, that I sought God and I heard from God, then I'm comfortable. Storm, hail, (laughs) sleet, 
whatever the inclement weather is, I'm okay because I am under the protection of my daddy led me here. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Yeah, I will fear no evil because you're with me. But, bro, if I'm going in there by myself, with my own accord, with my own leading, very much shaking in my boots, sir. Very much. When Jesus pushed them boys out and said, y'all go ahead and go. I'm going to stay over here and I'm just going to um, pray real quick. And that particular storm ushered for Peter to be able to walk on water. The peace that I would have felt with this new mindset would have been, I am not about to be afraid of this because Jesus led me here. No, Jesus told us to get in a boat. He told us to go ahead yonder. The rocks and the waves and doing all the stuff. Oh, my. Okay, great. So what I'm not about to do is be afraid. I'm just going to go ahead and do what the Bible says. And it's to remind God, Father God, in the name of Jesus, you led me here. Now, if I got in this boat and was like, ah, I'll take the shortcut, then I probably would have went ahead and assumed the cost. But this is not my cost, and so I'm not going to pay this. So whatever needs to be done to protect me in the middle of this storm, whatever needs to be done to protect me in the middle of this situation, whatever needs to be done to guard me while I'm at this job, whatever needs to be done to sustain this relationship you told me to stay in whatever needs to be done to cater to these children that you've given me whatever needs to be done to go ahead and complete this particular task you need to do it because I didn't assume this cost because I didn't lead me here I didn't lead me here sir so now that I roll up my sleeves and I hand over the keys to my life I now have the protection of knowing I didn't leave myself here. And so if I'm here, it's because you led me here. So that means you have to do something while I'm here or you have to go ahead and map out how I'm getting ready to leave here. But either way that it goes, I am not responding to this external situation because you placed me here. Very much the end, that's all, that's it. Something about that is the ultimate peaceful scenario to me ultimate peaceful scenario to be able to cast a care is one thing to be able to cast it because you know for certain God told you to do it yo I had a friend God told her to go ahead and quit her job and a very very um (laughs) dare I say uh inconvenient time God told her to quit her job in August, went ahead and led her through a series of transformational situations that at the end strengthened her spiritual side. September comes, October comes, October God was like, so by November 15th, I need you to go ahead and find yourself down at this particular location that he wanted her to be in, away from her family, almost like he was doing an Abrahamic situation with her. And can I say this? That's a litmus test to God is getting ready to do something dope. He starts to separate you from your comfort levels, almost like he is spiritually cutting the umbilical cord to the things that you 
found as your resource, that you identified as your resource. And God is like, until you make me your primary source and you follow me and my words, if you had that's equivalent to you having other gods before me. So until you sever these situations and connect to me in a way that nobody else gets to prompt you to do something, gets to lead you somewhere, if you didn't hear it from me first, until you do that, I can't move. But once God starts to transfer over (laughs) until I'm getting ready to be first in your life, you're going to have to make that decision. But I'm going to make it very clear to you that I have to be first in your life for me to elevate and get you to where I want you to be. So he was just cutting the umbilical cord, cutting the umbilical cord spiritually. It was very uncomfortable for her because she was not used to that. It was things happening around her that she's like, I'm used to calling my parents about this. I'm used to calling such and such about that. And God shut it down, had her change her number like a whole, like seriously, like a spiritual kind of like incision, real talk. And so he told her the November 15th thing. I then felt this need to call, and God gave me some words to give her. She goes ahead and and casts her net and do what God told her to do, and she got a job, and all these different things happened. And I tell you this entire story because I need you to understand something. What you are attracted to doesn't always mean that uh, that's what God has for you. Some of us need to go ahead and start shaking some of the things that we've been attracted to. You had an abusive household, and so you were attracted to a kind of aggressive, um, stern, uh, significant other. I don't know. I just, I like that. I I can't explain it. No, I I can. Go back to your childhood. How did y'all communicate? Go back to the person that actually you were around the most. Did you feel a level of fear, but then also like protected because I know you'll beat up other people even though you hit on me too? Like, go back to the thing that influenced you in your most impressionable years. I feel like what we need to go ahead and get to is I understand that that was a a segment of my life, but I don't want that to be the overall theme and season of my life. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I feel like we are all going to, and I'm going to add me, we are all going to miss God if we want to keep making decisions based upon what we're attracted to. Because I feel like our attraction has been perverted in some kind of way because we live on this thing called earth. So when I think of peace and being attracted to peace, I finally got to the place that I was able to admit nobody showed me how to be peaceful. I can't think of a person in my life, in my family, that illustrated peace in a way that was like, you know what, that's pretty attractive. You you want to hear something like real talk? The first person to show me peace was my husband. I have never, ever seen this man worry. When faced with situations that look like yikes, he was like, well, God's going to have to move. And would continue his day his month, his year, based on that particular declaration, blew my mind. So much so that I'm a person that I want to watch you, see if this is really authentic. After a while, I had to say, bruh, if I never read the Bible in my life or ever again, I single-handedly 
am watching my husband walk out not only faith, but peace in a way that I am so attracted to it that I wanted to consume that. How do you get to a place that you are attracted to the peace that surpasses all understanding? How do you get to the place that, you know what, there's always going to be something to be worried about if that's the theme song we want to go ahead and put the lyrics to our life to? Brother, it's going to always be somebody at the job doing something. (laughs) You understand? There's going to always be some type of unexpected financial, what have you. There's going to always be somebody who speaks before they thought about what you was getting ready to say to me, ma'am, sir. There's going to always be something disheartening. Like, look at the world that we live in. The world that we live in is the theme song layout of, oh, no, 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 no. Ooh, there's something scary happening over here. There's this particular virus. Okay, we're going to hurry up and do uh, vaccinations. And now we're going to mandate vaccinations. And if you don't get it, then you're going to lose your particular employment. Rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And now we're going to put certain people, ages and whatever. And look how many people are passing. And then, like, we literally, if you watch the news, are subscribed to worry. If the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, I need you to be very clear, to be careful about what you allow yourself to hear all the time. I told you before in another conversation that commercials are muted. I don't, they literally, bro, y'all don't got no happy commercials? Something that makes somebody laugh? I think it may be one or two, and it's only life insurance uh, or car insurance uh, related. The progressives and the Liberty Mutual, like those things make you laugh. But for the most part, do you realize that most of the commercials are if you are sick and sick, 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 and then, you know, the side effects of this sickness and sick, 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 and rebuke it in the name of Jesus. But it's like you're going to have to start muting your TV in between your show. You're going to have to start scrolling past the once again more terrible news. You're going to have to start telling people when they call you, please don't call me with that because I don't want that seed planted in my soil. We already talked about that, didn't we? We're going to have to get to a place that we foster a lifestyle that produces more peace. But more so, we are going to have to fashion ourselves where we are so attracted to peace that anything else that tries to come across our lane in life looks like roadkill and we do not stop for it. We do not try to go over and resuscitate it. We get to a place that we're like, listen, I understand now that there is one enemy and my savior already defeated that one enemy. What I'm not going to do is allow more enemies to be able to be present in my life at the job, in the family, certain friends, in the neighborhood. I am not recreating more enemies the bible tells me that we have a real one and i I understand that but my savior is a realer one okay good english and so at this point i'm not paying attention to any of that i'm going to fashion my mind my body my soul my everything to be attracted to peace peace is all i see peace is all i want peace is all i feel and i'm going to live a life that continues to be attracted to peace you ever had somebody that was going through something And you tried to cheer them up, but it felt like they wanted to sit there like, no, you don't understand. You're like, no, because, and it seemed like no matter what you threw at the fire, that thing was still flaming with sadness and what have you. That's because certain people don't even want to be peaceful. We just got to understand that. 
Certain people just want that Eeyore, like, I got to find my tail. And that's cool. But can I explain something to you? The way that this life is set up, we do not have the time to keep being attracted to friends who are attracted to anything other than peace. We do not want to be in relationships with people who see through the lens of anything that does not look like peace. We do not want family around us. I don't care your title, but if you are also not looking through the perspective lens of peace, then I can't be around you either. In order to live this life the way that God God wants me to, I have to look a lot like Jesus and it looked like he was attracted to peace. Do you understand that? This life requires of you to embrace and embody peace in a way that seems weird to the world. But it's okay because the Bible says that Jesus left peace to me, not peace that the world gives you. He left it for me. So that means that if he gave me a certain kind of peace, you don't understand it. So when you see me walking in it, it looks weird to you. It may look fake to you. It may look like, okay, what kind of coffee are you drinking? It's none of that. It's a peace that my Savior left for me, and I'm going to go ahead and live a life on that foundation of peace. When something comes up, cast your care. When somebody's trying to give you anything, cut that conversation short. When another financial situation, God, you said that you would give me more than I ever can imagine or think. You told me that if I give, if I pay my tithes and do what needs to be done and I bring the funds to the storehouse, that you would give my barn so much that it will overflow. I read Malachi, sir. I know what it says about when I give, you give back much more. I know what it says. And so at this point, anything that looks like it's going against your word, what I know about God is that he don't play with things that try to alter his word. God, you said. Bro, find a verse and remind God of what he said. You better find something that is related to your situation and remind God of what he said. Because my daddy said that when he speaks, his word does not come back void. So anything that looks like the alternate is like, what? That, that's not it. The reason why I told you about my friend and that whole thing about the November 15th is because she had to go back and tell God, I left that job on the word that you told me. This is not looking like what I thought it was going to be, but I follow the word that you gave me. And God moved. God, I don't think God moved because, oh, my bad, um, you reminded me. I think God moved because she was reminded. Who put you here? Right. So who's going to sustain you here? Right. And who has the ultimate say of moving you out of here? Right. Let's go. Pick up your mat and walk. Pick up your mat and walk. When Jesus walked past that man and was like, bro, what's going on? Oh, I've been here for 38 years and this, that, and the third. And Jesus, you don't understand. Bro, was like, uh, do you want to be healed? Because I don't even know your first name. And, and what you just gave me was just a rambification of all kind of things and your problems. And, you know, you didn't know your dad when you was younger. And because your mother and you had a discord in relationship and you don't have the support system and you don't have funds. And Jesus is like, so. So do you want to get healed? I mean, I would have loved, uh, shouts out to your backstory, but like we're, we're, we're in current tense. <laughs> what you just gave me was past tense. <laughs> so what you're doing currently is based upon something that happened in the past. So what's your future going to look like? So let me ask you something. Do you want to be healed? 
from that heartbreak? Do you want to be healed from that particular mindset? Do you want to be healed from that financial bondage because nobody taught you money? Do you want to be healed from that health situation that runs in your family? But like, do you want to be healed? Or did you just rest upon the fact of, oh, it's on my maternal side? Oh, no, my mother was bad with money, so I'm bad. Oh, no, because my father used to, so I... Oh, no, because it... So did you just adopt the past and just say, well, this is my life? Like, really, do you want to be healed? It's a question that I feel like everybody needs to just be 100 and ask themselves. But more so, do you understand that everything that you want is reliant upon how much you truly believe that things can get better for you, that this is not how your story ends, that although it may be a chapter in your book, it doesn't. this is not the, 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 the finale. You still got more chapters to write. Bro, you are currently living out the life that you can continue to reach and, and get and obtain. It doesn't have to be just something you wrote down on a piece of paper or a notebook one time. It doesn't have to be just the only thing that you can store up in your thoughts and in your heart. Like, do you understand that if God gave it to you to imagine, it's because he wants you to manifest and fulfill that and bring it into fruition? Do you understand that it's not just something to go ahead and keep something in your heart? And I always had this name for my child when I just started there. Okay, so have that child and name that. I always wanted to have a house that had, okay, so go find the house and do that. I always wanted to drive such and such. Okay, so map out a plan so you can go ahead and drive that. Do you understand that your wildest dreams, your wildest thoughts don't just have to maintain and be something that's in your heart and in your mind? That's a storage unit. God wants it to come out into the real realm. Imagine if we lived and followed a Savior that only wanted you to imagine until you got to heaven. Huh? No, Jesus was a carpenter which means that he had an idea for a table and he got to work and he made it a table. He had an idea about a chair and then he got to work and he created a chair. In Genesis, God hovered over something that had blackness over it and it was void and then he made the heavens and the earth. So that means if it starts in your mind, that's the inception what are you doing to bring it to life? Because it's not supposed to just stay there. Holy Spirit got me going somewhere completely different. But you know what? I'm, I'm a good grandbaby enough that I know not to interrupt grown folks' business. So we both going to have a nice day. There is something happening in the spiritual realm that God is like, if you just stay with me, I promise. <laughs> if you just stay with me, I promise. If you just tap into the, the fruit of the spirit of endurance, I promise. If you just tap into the spirit, fruit of the spirit of long suffering, I promise. I put so many promises in the world. You probably going to have to go back and just pull it up and just read promises after promises after promises to be reminded that I don't care what it looks like right now. If you follow me, you will be following my ultimate plan for you and when you follow me do you understand that peace follows purpose you know why we probably never read in the bible that joseph was complaining from pit to palace because something about knowing that god was navigating that probably was peaceful Something about knowing, bro, I did nothing to deserve to be here. Nothing to deserve was happening to me. The only logical explanation has to be that this is just the way God is going to allow this particular route to go because it's one of two things. God orchestrated it or God allowed it. 
with the with the enemy meant for your bad, God made it for your good, right? So either God orchestrated that or he saw the enemy's tool and was like, I can use that to kind of build the rest of this house I was already building with her. I can use that to elevate her and make her see certain things before I promote her to the next level. I can go ahead and use that for Buddy to make him see, like, yeah, I, that if, if that didn't happen, then you wouldn't have taken that turn. And actually, you know what? I, I saw the benefit in that tool from the enemy being formed. And so I used that forming to kind of derail your particular track to get you on a shorter path Mm -hmm. so what he meant for your bad sir uh it actually worked out for your good here you are thinking like did I take the wrong turn and God was like nah I I had to get them to start talking about you to contort that plan so that I can get you back on track uh actually a faster track to get where I was trying to get you like it's okay it's cool please remember again I feel like it's worth repeating one or two things is happening God orchestrated it or God allowed it Something is happening in the spiritual realm right now as I speak. Something is happening in the spiritual realm right now. I super sense it. I promise you, and I'm not no spooky boogie Bible thumper, but I sense it, that God is literally saying, if you get to the other side of it, if you tap into endurance, if you allow me to take you through this particular car wash, you will never look the same when you come back out. I need you to understand that if you allow me to take your hand and lead and walk you through the valley of the shadow of death, like it says in Psalm 23, if you allow me me to walk you through something that you feel is scary I promise you that I will not walk you out and you look in the same I promise you that if you outlast this discomfort it's going to be worth it if you allow God to walk you through this discomfort it's going to be worth it can I give you a spoiler alert The discomfort doesn't have to be in you. You can be in the presence of external discomforts and not feel it. You don't believe me? What did we just talk about? Jesus was on a boat. His external environment was chaotic. There was a storm happening to the point that the disciples just knew, bruh, they finna drown. Okay, rebuke it in the name of Jesus. But the discomfort didn't live in Jesus internally. So what does that tell you, class? Huh, grandbaby? Okay, good job. That tells you that no matter what's going on around you, you do not have to feel that within you. Maybe that's why you get comfort twisted. You feel like in order for you to feel comfortable inside, everything has to be comfortable externally, outside. How about we flip that? How about we say no matter what happens, I'm going to be comfortable. (laughs) No matter what the circumstances, I'm going to look a lot like Jesus on a boat. I don't care what these people at the job say. I know I'm on a mission. I don't care what the statistics say about marriages. We're going to make it football numbers. You feel me? I don't care what they say about the statistic of my skin complexion and my melanin. You understand? We're going to be successful. I don't care what they say about, oh, you know, nothing good happens from Nazareth. Bro, y'all been judging people from where from where they started out since 
Bible. Like my my savior came from somewhere that y'all was like, ooh, the ghetto. <laughs> like that's nothing new. So I, I, it it's not gonna shock me when you look at where I came from. When you look at the inception of me, it's not gonna shock me that you look at it like mm, I don't really think you have a chance. Well, praise God that my success doesn't is not contingent based upon how you value my, my foundational steps. Praise God that that my overall success is not contingent on how people feel about me at the job. Praise God that my overall success in my marriage is not contingent on how how you cute you think somebody is that, that sleeps in my bed. <laughs> praise God. You understand? Like praise God that nothing that comes from God is contingent on what man feels or says. So guess what that means? I'm going to live a life that looks like I'm in the boat. I'm going to live a life that looks like I don't care what kind of storm. But, like, how much worse uh, could it be than being in a boat and being in the middle of a storm? No cell phone, (laughs) no reception, no other boats out there but y'all. The person who sent you out here, he sleep, okay? Um... And now you in a situation that you like, this is not looking good. I think it's all about to be a wrap, and I don't know what else to do. And I just got a little bit of an epiphany just now. Sometimes it's not that God didn't hear you. Sometimes it's God is illustrating what you should have been doing. Jesus was asleep in the storm. Mm-hmm. He was asleep. But the disciples will come up like, don't you care? Oh, I'm sorry. I was illustrating what y'all should have done. But it seems like your peace and your sleep is contingent on what happens externally. So let me real quick. Um, peace be still. What y'all doing? Okay, cool. All right, so can y'all be peaceful now? Good. That illustration right there just shows you... Um, God will alter whatever it is that's disturbing your peace. But let's do one up. Let's actually alter how we see things and be peaceful anyway. Bruh, be peaceful anyway. What's that email that they sent? Well, bruh, whatever. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to send this real short, matter of fact, professional email and I'm gonna keep it moving and I'm not going to respond right away because what you're not about to do is irritate me before noon because I look forward to lunch what you say listen don't call my phone with the foolishness I I will block y'all for at least a solid week and tell y'all that I was fasting just so I can go ahead and have some peace I'm not interested I'm sorry what's the bill Okay, well, y'all going to have to work out a payment plan of some sort because what you're not going to do is try to dig in my pockets because of something that um, just came up. So what we're going to do is I'll call y'all back on the 15th or the 30th. Have a nice day. Okay, great. Um, I'm sorry, what you say? And, and so that's what we need to start doing. Like, bro, stay in the house of peace and look out the window and be like, mm, it look cold out there. And then dress accordingly. Dress accordingly. What's happening is that y'all look outside, see it's, see it's raining, and go out in a suede jumpsuit. And then come back like, oh, my gosh, what happened? You, you were ill-prepared. That's not, that wasn't the Lord's fault. <laughs> like, don't you got an umbrella in there? Don't you got something you could have put over your head? Matter of fact, could you have put something on that would not have been uh, ruined because of something that you were aware of? 
And, and I think we got to start putting more responsibility on ourselves. We know certain information. We have an inkling. We have God is not a God that he wants to live a mysterious life. He is literally giving us clues, hints. He's confirming. He's nudging. He's having people say stuff. Bro, at the end of the day, when something uncomfortable happens, real talk, you cannot say, I had absolutely no idea. You had some idea. You just didn't give it no thought. And that's the real problem. Bring what you need to bring to God. And then the rest, you just got to be like, you got to tell me how to do it. Because I don't know what's going to happen two years from now. I don't know what's going to happen two weeks from now. So for me to even try to conjure up this whole entire plan, bro, I'm going to make a uh, tentative plan. Okay, I'm going to write it in pencil. And then whatever you decide to do, do it. But uh, can you make sure that I'm included so that my actions and my prayers are aligned to whatever you have for me? And that's how you live a life of peace. God has me. God has me. He, the Bible says that he will never leave me or forsake me. The Bible says that I'm not an orphan. He will not leave. The Bible says that his word will not come back void. The Bible says he's a man that he shall not lie. The Bible says that he, we are his masterpiece, that we are just a little lower than angels, that he loves us so much that he gave us his only begotten son, that Jesus did this gruesome thing on Calvary so that we would never, ever, ever feel like we are not close to the Father. He did exactly what needed to be done so that we can have a relationship with him and we can live a life that looks the same way that Jesus said that if you see me you see the father (laughs) like literally that's how my life is being lived and so at that point you have to start looking at stuff and saying I'm good I'm okay everything is working for my good Romans 8 28 everything comes together for my good a Romans 8 28 that if God allowed it then he can add something he can put his sauce on it and it's going to make the meal just that much better like it's all working out for my good it's all okay and in the midst of this during this and at the end of it I'm going to be peaceful why because there's always going to be a season of learning There's always going to be a season of pruning. There's always going to be a season of growing. And growing and pruning, either isolated or collectively together, uh, it's a little bit uncomfortable. But I understand now that I can be peaceful while uncomfortable. I understand now that um, my peace is not contingent on there not being any storms or any waves or any winds. My peace is not contingent on everybody at the job not wanting to you know be in discord my peace in the marriage doesn't have to look like you are everything that that you have to find God so that you can illustrate the peace that Jesus had so that you can be in the middle of a storm you can be in the middle of a pandemic you can be in the middle of a downsizing in the company that you can be in the middle of whatever and you look and you're like, honestly, I'm okay. It's okay and I'm okay. Because my daddy is with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Do you understand that? Mm. Listen, um, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm, I do. Uh, you know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everybody's going to have with you, but who your favorite homegirl, Kay. Uh, I purposely went through the whole challenge and the Bible scripture because Holy Spirit was doing something different. But I do want to leave you with this. I want you to read Philippians 4. 
Mm-hmm. Because I want you to understand that there's a recipe to your peace. I want you to read Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. And I'll leave you with that. I'm going to read it to you. Then I want you to read it when we get off the phone. Okay? Philippians 4. You know, I read from the NLT version. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Steps. Seven. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Verse 6 are the steps you need to take. Verse 7 is what you reap from sowing verse 6. That's between you and the Lord. I gave you your instructions. You can't say that I never told you. And now I feel like you need to go ahead and do what I said to go ahead need to be done. Okay. I'm going to let you let me let me go. Hmm? Okay. We'll talk later. Absolutely. Later.